Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've tuned in. As WDET celebrates its 70th year, it is time to raise the funds we need for the future of Detroit's NPR station. Remember, your support makes up nearly 50% of WDET's annual budget, so you're a critical part of this party and this big 70th anniversary celebration. When you make your important gift to celebrate and sustain WDET, today only you're going to be entered to win one of 20 gift cards to Slow's Barbecue right here in Detroit. So make your gift right now at WDET.org, and good luck. Also remember to join me and guest Dr. Mona Hanna Atisha and Michigan Senate Minority Leader Jim Ananick on Tuesday, September 10th at the Detroit Public Library for the finale of our summer WDET book club. We have been reading Dr. Mona's book, What the Eyes Don't See, about the Flint water crisis and discussing safe water here in Michigan, talking about environmental justice and infrastructure. We have had wonderful, wonderful discussions all over Metro Detroit all summer, and we would love if you would join us on September 10th for that finale discussion with Dr. Mona herself. It is free to attend, but we are asking people to register. So just go to WDET.org slash events to do that, and we will see you on Tuesday. Up first today, after collecting personal information from children without the consent of their parents, Google and YouTube are going to pay a record $170 million fine to settle with the Federal Trade Commission and the New York Attorney General, both of whom filed complaints against the company and its subsidiary. Allegedly, the information of kids who were watching YouTube videos was used by Google and by YouTube to make millions by targeting advertisements at the young viewers on channels that were aimed at kids. So on top of profiting off of these kids, the other issue is that YouTube failed to notify parents or get their consent. And of course, this is not the first time something like this has happened. So what are the consequences for these tech giants? And is there anything you can do to protect your child's information and privacy while they're online? Here to tell us more about this story and give us some context is New York Times technology reporter Natasha Singer. Natasha, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, first, let's get us up to speed on what happened between the FTC and Google this week. Google agreed to pay this record fine of $170 million to settle charges that it illegally harvested the data of young children who were watching YouTube videos. And the government said that it wasn't just illegal. Google knowingly violated a children's privacy law in harvesting millions of kids' data. Uh, so regularly said that YouTube, which is a Google subsidiary, illegally gathered uh, this data. Um, and for people who don't know, they were doing this using identification codes that are used to track web browsing over time. Can you explain a little about what that is and how that works? Yes. So I think maybe it makes sense to first explain the law and then how um, YouTube violated it. But basically... For adults or anybody else online, websites can use little bits of software to give you a unique ID code and track you from one website to another. And that means that Google and others, Facebook, can know how many minutes you spent on a website, what you clicked on, what you looked at, um, where you went from there. And it's 
used to create these very rich profiles of individuals about what they like, what they don't like, and how they might be manipulated into doing things like spending more time online or clicking on certain content or clicking on certain advertisement. And so although we call it privacy, the thing we're really worried about is having people's data used to make them vulnerable and to manipulate them and put them at risk. Hmm. And we know that as far as adults are concerned that there are vulnerabilities, but when it comes to children, we as a society are particularly concerned that their data can be used to manipulate them or put them at risk. And so um, this lawsuit against Google and YouTube brought by the government and these charges were accusing them of using these unique identifiers to follow kids around, create profiles of them, and use it to show them ads targeted to their behavior. And it violated this children's online privacy law, which was put in place specifically to help parents have control over their children's data and to make the parent in charge of deciding you know, whether a child can share their name or their email address or contact info or be tracked around and profiled. And the law specifically says that websites and apps aimed at kids under 13 are prohibited from collecting this data unless they get a parent's verified permission. And Google and, and YouTube did not do that. Not only did they not do this, but they claimed publicly that YouTube, which is the number one site for kids, was not intended for kids under 13, mm. right? So we're talking about a site that has like My Little Pony channels and Thomas and Friends train channels and Barbie channels and also like the number two channel on YouTube is called Coco Melon Nursery Rhymes, right? It's this really cute animated nursery rhyme videos. They have 40 million subscribers. The videos have been seen billions of times. And yet YouTube was saying, oh, we're not for kids. We don't have to abide by this law. And even as it was saying that publicly, what it was saying to Mattel and other advertisers was, we're the number one site for kids, hmm. except we don't have any kids. So you don't have to abide by this law. And so the government actually used Google and YouTube's advertising and marketing and words against them because their own behavior showed that they knew that they were violating this law. Yeah. And the profiting that they were doing off of this information is an important piece of this. This is the, the entire incentive to try to get to children, uh, I would imagine, is that the, the, there's a lot of money to be made there. Right. There's the obvious money, which is that these kids' video channels are super popular and targeting ads to these children made Google a lot of money. And then in the long term, all the data they have harvested from kids goes into Google's larger algorithm, right, and makes Google even better able to target children on other platforms in other ways or to continue to profile children as they age over time. So there's the immediate benefit in advertising on YouTube, and then there's the longer benefit to Google's own algorithms that help profile and target people. Hmm. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Natasha Singer. She's a technology reporter at the New York Times. We're talking about the massive settlement that Google and YouTube have entered into, or the fine uh, that they're going to face, uh, $170 million uh, from a lawsuit from the Federal Trade Commission and the New York Attorney General because they were collecting information about young people online and using that information for advertising that is against the law. Uh, it is, of course, not the first time, though, we've seen a company try to get around that law to get to our kids. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call and tell us 
how you regulate your kids' activity online. What does it mean to you that your kids' information is being collected from the time that they are young if they are online? And what are your fears about this? Uh, What does childhood online privacy mean as a kid gets older? And as a parent, what would you be willing to do to protect your child's privacy? Are you somebody who keeps your kids offline altogether? Or are you somebody who believes that with careful monitoring and oversight, uh, kids can use the internet and be protected? As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, and we will work you into the conversation. Also, give us a call and tell us where you think all of this is headed as we become more and more dependent on uh, online uh, sites and and activity for different parts of our lives. Is, is there any way to keep your kids safe from the kind of uh, information phishing and gathering that lots of companies want to do. Before we get to phones, Natasha, I want to ask you that question. Um, uh, In a New York Times investigation last year, there were similar privacy problems that were uncovered with kids' apps on Google Play Store. Uh, The question is, you know, what happened as a result? Does this ever roll itself back, or are we headed ever forward uh, as companies find savvier ways to get around the laws that prevent them from violating kids' privacy. Well, I think you're right. You know, Google, it's clear, is a serial privacy offender. It has done numerous things that have caused government regulators both in the U.S. and Europe to accuse Google of violating people's privacy and fine them. The fact that they're willing to do this with children is particularly shocking. I think There's a couple of things that parents can do. In this case, um, YouTube actually has a kids version, right? There's an app called YouTube Kids, and YouTube just right before this fine was announced set up a website for, for kids called YouTube Kids. And so parents who are concerned about having their kids' data harvested and used for purposes parents might not like can actually sign up for these kids tools by YouTube where... YouTube has actually curated the content Mm -hmm. for family-friendly viewing. And also parents can choose, um, you know, is this for a really young kid, like, you know, under five, or is it just somebody under 12 or whatever? And so you can tailor the content to your child on these YouTube kids video uh, platform. And also there's going to be a history that you can see of what your child watched. So so there is another version that you could use if you were concerned. And, and the YouTube kids version abides by the law and does not show these targeted ads that are based on harvested data. Hmm. Uh, as far as where we're going on a sorry larger yeah, level, uh-huh. um, the United Kingdom is about to roll out an even tougher kids privacy um, regime where um, – they will have to, on all sites, not just kids' sites, do these kind of privacy protections mm. and give parents and kids more choices about how they want their data to be used. And we're seeing Congress in the United States already think about 
instituting some of the same measures they're going to institute in the UK. So, for example, one of the things they're worried about in the UK is that there are features on sites like YouTube, like autoplay, right? You watch one video and automatically it shows you the next one. Right. And it uses your data to figure out what to show you. And sometimes, especially on YouTube, right, it becomes more radicalized, right? You start off watching something very tame and then it goes off in this more extreme direction. And in the UK, one of the things they're saying is this autoplay thing for young kids, it should just be off by default, right? And then if the parent or the child wants to turn it on, that's fine. But these data-driven tricks to keep kids online longer, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the UK, that will no longer be allowed. And we're seeing folks in the Senate at the moment think about, should we incorporate some of that into kids' privacy in the U.S.? Again, 313-577-1019 is always the number here on the phones. Call and tell us what you do to try to keep your kids' information safe when they're online. Is that something you think is even possible, given uh, the aggressive tactics by many companies to try to get more information out of our kids, and given the amount of time that our kids spend online, which always seems to be growing. Also, go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter, and we'll try to work you into the conversation here. Let's start with Sammy in Dearborn. Sammy, what's on your mind? Hi, good morning. Hey. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Um, I don't have any children. Uh, My question is, uh, it's kind of, it's related to the topic, but in a different way. Uh, My brother is a content creator on YouTube, and um, since YouTube kind of got tangled in their own web of uh, lies here. Um, Recently, uh, a lot of content creators were penalized for not having kid-friendly content. Um, And if YouTube is saying that their website isn't intended for kids, I was wondering what your guests thought of uh, as far as the future for content creators that don't have uh, kid-friendly content. Does this mean that there's a good chance of their content being monetized again? Hmm. Uh, great question, uh, Sammy. I appreciate the the, the call. Uh, Natasha Singer, talk about the effect here on people who create channels and other content for YouTube. I think it's really, really hard because YouTube is changing its algorithm all the time. And especially now that they're under scrutiny for children's privacy violations and other problems of showing kids inappropriate content, you know, the algorithm is changing to kind of favor bigger kind of Disney channels that are known to be safe. So I think it makes it much harder on content creators. Um, And in this new regime after the fine, the government required YouTube to put in a new system that will require content creators who make kids' content to verify, kind of to self-identify as kids' content creators, and now they will have to abide by this law if they Mm self-identify. And if they don't identify as creators of kids' content, then they will be punished, right? So I think it's going to make it tougher because of YouTube's own law-breaking. It's making it much tougher on content creators who may have done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Sammy, again, great question, and I appreciate the call. Let's go to Kenneth in Detroit. Kenneth, welcome to the program. Hello. Hey. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm calling about is that it's just going to cost us more money uh, down the road. Those executives that allow that uh, marketing uh, type of fiasco, whatever it's called, but they, they need to be in jail. They, they need to be put in jail and know that they're going to go to jail for stuff like that because all we're going to do is pay more now. And that's what bothers me the most. 
So when you say pay more, Kenneth, can you be more specific? What do you think we'll, we will pay more for? Um, the, the things that we purchase through uh, the online schemes, that, that, that they're, they, they made billions off of what they're doing, hmm. but they're so greedy, so they target kids illegally, and, and, and they target everyone illegally, not just kids. And so my point is, is it's going to cost us all more money in the long run if they don't jail these executives <laughs> instead of fining them. Uh, Kenneth, I appreciate that perspective. Um, uh, Natasha, talk about the criminal aspect of this, I guess, and whether uh, you could see jail time for these kinds of things. I mean, these are civil uh, statutes, I assume, uh, and not criminal ones. But uh, but Kenneth seems to believe that there should be stiffer penalties for this kind of thing. So I would have to say that there are um, federal regulators who agree with you. And so, you know, the Federal Trade Commission, which um, fined Google along with the state attorney general, the commission has five commissioners. And one of them wrote a dissenting opinion saying it is extremely problematic that we are not holding these executives accountable Mm. by name because they knew, right? They knew they'd become the number one channel for kids. They were advertising to advertisers that was saying the we strategy. could target kids, yeah. right? And so it's not like, oh, boo-boo, we made a mistake. And so um, it's Commissioner Rohit Chopra wrote this dissent saying we need to hold them accountable. And he pointed out to a, a previous case because earlier this year the FTC fined this company that um, is behind the music video sharing channel TikTok that has become a top destination for kids. And um, in other cases, um, the FTC has held individuals accountable. Mm. And so the commissioner in this case said, like, why have we held executives accountable at smaller companies? But when some of the biggest companies in the world knowingly violate people's privacy, we give them a pass. Um, So um, at least one big person in the government agrees. I, I didn't know that. And I, I think that's really interesting, the idea that uh, that might be a subject of uh, debate in, in Congress at some point, that uh, maybe these should be criminal statutes uh, or there should be criminal statutes attached to this kind of uh, willful, willful behavior. Again, uh, Kenneth, thanks very much for the call and the really great question. Let's go to Andy and Warren. Andy, what's on your mind? Hi. Hey. How much of this is Google taking advantage of lazy parenting? So I I have a friend that gives the kid the iPad. YouTube is logged in as the parent, but the kid's using it. Through data analytics, they know it's a kid. They can target ads to the kid, but it's still logged in as the adult. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a really great question, uh, Andy. I, I, I don't know how that works. I imagine that, Natasha, you do. Is there is there a, a, a line-crossing question here about, um, about parents logging into things and giving their devices to their kids? Would Google and YouTube know about that and know to target uh, those users the same way? So um, we understand that big companies do know when it's a child because children, like, even enter search queries in different ways, use different phrases than adults. 
Um, and when we did a story last year about apps, particularly kids' apps um, on Google's Android Google Play platform, we saw that the apps were tracking kids, you know, sometimes within like a 12-foot radius and sometimes several times per minute. And so we, we could see that like these apps were tracking kids to like schools. So if a phone is in an elementary school, you know, they and know is on the there. playground, you could you could assume likely that it was a child and not a teacher. So I think there are ways that the companies know at this point under the law they're not required to distinguish if um, a parent or a child hasn't identified themselves. So, for example, you know, Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and YouTube all have systems where when you set up a new account, it asks you what your birth year was. Wow. And if you are a young kid and you answer the truth and you're under 13, you're not going to be able to set up an account. But if you are aware that you're going to be cut off if you tell the truth, you're going to say that you're much older than 13. Like I teach high school students and we went around the room and I asked them like, what is your age on Instagram? And the average age of the 15 year olds on Instagram was like 27, right? Mm. Because they all lied. And so I don't know how parents, you know, deal with that because even if you tell your child, I don't want you to have an Instagram account, um, they're going to find ways to sign up anyway. Now, YouTube says that they do have ways of figuring out who's a kid. And when it comes to their attention that somebody who is under 13 has lied about their age, they close those accounts. And there's a way that parents um, can notify YouTube and others that, you know, their child has set up an account without permission. But the caller's question, you know, what is the role of parents if you just leave YouTube signed in and you let your kid use it? Is mm -hmm. that the parent's fault? I think there is a role for parents to play. But I also think that, like, maybe YouTube should do more advertising about YouTube kids, right? Like, how many parents know that there's a separate channel for kids right. that they can use and set limits on? So I think everybody has to man up here. <laughs> Everyone's got to do a little more, right? Uh, again, thanks very much for the call there. Uh, let's go to Anna in Detroit. Anna, welcome to the program. Hi. Hey. Um, so I just, the previous caller and the guest today, I just wanted to point out that even though there is a YouTube Kids app, the content, even though they say it's curated, is not necessarily always kid appropriate because my four and a half year old almost five year old um was watching a show with his cousin on the youtube youtube app and the content the it looked like a kid's show it was like a cartoon but then i was li listening to it from the other room and i realized that the plot of this show was that there were going to be bad guys hijacking a plane hmm. and so we actually deleted the app because of the content that came up on autoplay, even on the kids' YouTube app. Yeah. Wow. Anna, that's a that's a great example. I mean, this this autoplay issue, I think, uh, and and I've read a number of things about other concerns about autoplay and and the way it works and the algorithm that it uses to decide what you see next, uh, Natasha. But this idea that somehow um, uh, you know, uh, YouTube is 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 monitoring that. I think is is uh, stretches credulity at this point. I mean, uh, as Anna points out, there's stuff that they're saying is kid appropriate, but it probably is not. 
So, Anna, my colleague, Sapna, uh, last year wrote a story about inappropriate content on the <laughs> YouTube Kids app. So other parents have also found this problematic. And what she found was that there are mean people out there making cartoon videos that use the same characters that we trust, but um, creating plots in which violence happens or sexual things happen, and they're totally inappropriate for young children, and yet um, the YouTube algorithm did not flag them. And so parents would put their kids down in front of the YouTube Kids app thinking it was fine, and horrible violence and sex would ensue with cartoons. And so... Um, uh, it is a problem. YouTube promised that it was changing its algorithm and it was going to improve things and make sure stuff was family friendly. Um, I hear things have improved. But as you found out, Anna, there are situations where things get on there that are not right for the age appropriate um, content that parents want for their young kids. Yeah. Uh, and it reinforces, again, the role that parents play. And all of this and the need to be pretty vigilant about uh, what your kids are watching and, and how long. Okay, Natasha Singer, technology reporter at the New York Times. It was really great to have you here for this conversation. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> Up next, we are going to talk about the start of the NFL season. And you're going to find out whether my boycott of the NFL, which has been going on for a couple of years now, is going to continue this year. Jay-Z now is helping the league with some diversity issues. Does that make a difference for me? Does it make a difference for you? Call us at 313-577-1019 on the phones. Uh, stay with us for more Detroit Today.